Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. I need to make sure I get everything said today, and I'm going to talk about the, uh, hey Lisa, I'm going to talk about the meditation weekend, which was a huge success. Um, when I met with the boys Wednesday night, my son's Wednesday night, Judah said, how many of these have you done? And I said, 15. Well, one of them was virtual, but 15. And he said, you've had how many show up? And I told him it's usually around in this this group. He said, that, he said, Dad, that's amazing. You've done that many of them. They're all that well attended. And he said, I I think I'm going to have to call that a win. I said, yeah, I know. It's it's." Uh, it's awesome, and we've uh, we've already scheduled number 16. It will be October 29th and 30th. Hey, Reg, uh, in um, back in Chattanooga, I, I'm going to go up there one day soon. Uh, I may I may rent us a, a room right there on the river because it's kind of that time of year. It gets kind of chilly early in the morning, so we'll see. At least I'll have it as a backup plan. But the last time we went to Chattanooga, it was it was awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll, I've got plenty of time to talk about that. It looks like about 20-something of you have already signed up for that one, so it's going to be another. Uh, it's going to be another big one. Um, and we'll be back in the theater first Sunday of September, which I think is the fourth, maybe. And uh, Jonah, who just left for another European tour, he'll be back. Hey, Lori, good to see you. Oh, from Cancun. Wow. All right, we. We tap into your Cancun vibes. I feel relaxed just saying the word. Um, but Jonah, will, he'll be back from Europe by then. He'll he'll do music for us that day. And, of course, we'll be back in the theater um, uh, first Sunday of October. Um, okay, look, I'm, I'm just going to get right into this today. So um, I speak into the atmosphere. And I say, let there be light. And um, I decree that as I stand here on this roof, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that he might be glorified. And um, I decree that you have an ear to hear and that I'm going to speak not from my mouth to your ear, but from my heart to your heart. I, I declare that our hearts are connected and that you hear what spirit is saying through me and with me. Um, I am a co-laborer with God. I am a fellow creator with God. So who's teaching today? It's God and it's me. It's we're we're like this, and then you, the audience, become the third part of that threefold chord. Um, without sand, sounding grandiose, I want to say that what I'm about to say is going to cause a shift, and it's going to produce something new in the earth. It's going to establish. Uh, Something's about to be established right here in these next uh, in these next few moments. 
so be it. All right. Um, let me give you some context before I give you the scripture. Last weekend was our 15th meditation weekend. We were down in beautiful St. Simons. It was a it was a really easy trip. It was just everything had a lot of flow to it, a lot of synchronicity. It's one of the few times that I didn't have to manage the weather at all. The weather was just super cooperative. Um, it was sunny, but not horribly hot. And um, the beach was magnificent. And uh, we had a great crowd. And um, we did the sunset meditation on Saturday night and the sunrise meditation on Sunday morning. Uh, as I was talking about the number 15, a flock of birds flew over. Some people counted 15, some people counted 16. Some of the pictures showed 15, some of the pictures showed 16. I, I don't want to get too um, dependent on that sort of thing, but there was there was definitely natural confirmation. And then, you know, the last time we were in um, St. Simon's is when we had that amazing double rainbow. Uh, this time, rainbows didn't appear until Sunday morning. We were once the sun came up. We all we, the, the beach where we were was humongous, and uh, so with the area of the beach where we were, we, we took a uh, walk up to the surf, and uh, we did the I am affirmations, and then the rainbows. I, I've never seen so many rainbows start popping. Um, Colonel Rogers was being facetious when he said we can't leave till we see 15 rainbows, but I think we were right at it. I mean, by the time other people showed their pictures of rainbows on their way home, it, it came out to 15. I, on my, if you, if you um, go up to my cover photo on Facebook, you'll see I've got on that uh, cover, there's 15 cells, 15 different pictures. Some of them are of the same rainbow. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to get super specific about, because I know rainbows, you see fragments of them. I'm just saying the manifestation and appearance of them was the most we've ever seen on any uh, meditation weekend. And yes, I know that rainbows are not necessarily supernatural. I know that it's light reflecting through water drops and it splits the um, it splits the light so that you see the spectrum of color I mean I, I know all that I'm just saying rainbows didn't show up till till they added the amen to what we were doing and once once we were through they were just everywhere just scroll up you'll see the the pictures of them and that was awesome um, but this one thing happened on Saturday night and I want to refer to it because I want to explain to you why it was significant now, um, previous times when we've been on the beach, it's, I mean, there's other people out there walking around and it's not unusual for somebody to join in with us. It's happened on several occasions. We've been out there on the beach and somebody will say, what are you doing? And we'll say it's a meditation. And, and sometimes they don't even ask. Some people just join in with us and it's always, it's always been positive. It's always been cool. That's why when you look at the picture, sometimes you'll say, who is that person? It was some stranger that was walking by. The meditation has a magnetic vortex on it that just draws people to it. So I'm accustomed to that happening, and um, I'm used to doing, I mean, I grew up doing street preaching, so I'm used to having you know, spectators that don't know what's going on. So, so that's always fine. 
But um, when a miracle happens, and let me again say, I live by the Albert Einstein rule. He, he's famous for saying there are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. So I'm, I'm one of those people who believes everything is. So, um, you know, the people who look for miracles get them. And you can call that um, uh, confirmation bias, which it may be. But um, I'm just saying I see supernatural confirmation all the time. And usually when the confirmation comes, it's not the miracle itself. It's the message within the miracle. Like, um, like for example, when the disciples have been fishing all night and Jesus meets them the next morning and he says, hey, have you guys caught any fish? And they say, no, we have, we've been fishing all night and haven't, haven't caught anything. And he says, well, put your, put your nets on the other side of the boat. Which, you know, if you're a, a skilled fisherman, I mean, I've fished enough to know, dude, if they're not catching on this side of the boat, they're not going to catch on the other side of the boat. I mean, I understand there's a good place in the lake, but we've, we've been all over this lake and there's, there's nothing. They're, they're just not biting tonight. And you know the story about how he, they put the nets on the other side and caught so many fish that it tore the net. So, yes, that's a, that's a miracle, but it's, it seems to me that when Jesus... Um, Wellington, I don't know if you're watching yet or not, but he, he called me last night. We had this conversation about how Jesus nearly was always playing small. Like once he did a miracle, he was he was prone to say something like, "Don't even tell anybody I did this." I mean, he he wasn't. Jesus didn't have an Instagram account and went right on there and started showing all of his miracles. If anything, he was tr always trying to get out of the way to to say, "I'm just showing you these miracles to show you you're supposed to be doing this and you're actually going to do." greater miracles so he never wanted to start christianity he actually even told people not to worship him he was just like no I'm, I'm showing you how to do this so the miracle of the the nets on the other side of the boat yeah it's about a miracle but it's really about a message the message of it is um everything you need is right where you are and sometimes all it all it takes is a little paradigm shift it's just putting the you know, the symbolism of putting the net on the other side of the boat is having a different thought in the same place. And that's where the abundance opens up. And every one of Jesus' miracles has a message in them. Okay? So, um, so this, this little thing that happened, it's not, it's not something that's just earth-shaking, but it's, it's, um, profound to me because of what was said. It was not about the miracle. It was about the message in the miracle. All right. So when we met before we, uh, let's see, let me get this right. We met uh, in preparation for the sunset on Saturday, last Saturday evening. And, um, and it, it, it was great. The uh, meditation was great. Everybody was on the same page. It was awesome. Um, and one of the people who came to it, I knew, I, I don't know if he's watching or not, I haven't seen his name yet, but um, I knew the name sounded familiar when I saw Tim Brooks, but I, 
I, I, I said, I, see, I know I've heard that name before, but I can't place where that is. So this guy shows up, and I said, well, explain to me where you came from. And he said, he lives, um, I want to say, is it Flagstaff? It's, it's somewhere south of Phoenix, I believe. Tim, if you're on here, correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's Arizona. And um, he said, I was had no plans to go to the... Um, meditation weekend he said last sunday i was watching your teaching and you said there's somebody sitting on the fence about going to this meditation weekend and i'm giving you a little push and telling you you need to come and he said i, I was about to take a drink of something and he said I, I just put it down and thought he's talking to me so he goes and makes preparations and sure enough flew from i guess from phoenix to jacksonville and rented a car and drove up to St. Simons, and he's not the only one. I mean, I got uh, we're all some um, Indiana, Charlotte, uh, Florida. I mean, it's you know people come uh, from uh, from all over. So, um, and he had a great time. And Ernie Neighbor and I went to dinner with him after. Uh, after Saturday night, and it, it was great. And I, I remembered where I knew him from. He had bought several of my books years ago, and we had uh, discussed them online a little bit. And I said, oh, okay, now I remember. That's where I knew your name from, but we've never had a conversation. So I was already, that just kind of tweaked me a little bit, it caught my attention that somebody who's not technically a part of Metron hears my voice in Arizona and comes to this thing. Because um, I've got people that have been going to Metron for eight years and have never come to one of these. So that that was just interesting to me. Like, wow, that, hmm. Um, it was a little bit of a reminder that, to me, that the Metron community is not a geographical location. My Metron, which is a Greek word for sphere of influence, is global. It's not... Um, that was the whole point of me getting out of Conyers. We had 43 beautiful acres in Conyers, but I was supposed to go to a higher place than just being limited to that geographical location. I mean, I've understood that for a long time. So, I was already thinking about that. I was a little bit sensitive to Tim hearing me in Arizona. So when we get through the meditation part, I said, hey, everybody, let's walk down to the surf. Let's put our feet in the surf. I, I like to uh, sync up our body clocks with the, um, with the uh, tide. And there's a bit of grounding to it. If, you've, uh, if you don't know what grounding is, just Google it. There's, there's even scientific uh, proof that going barefoot on the ground uh, is really good for you. It pulls toxins out of your body. It connects you with the with the uh, movement of the earth. And um, same with the tides. But it's also it's also one of those things that um, skept. It would be very easy easy for skeptics to sort of poo poo that kind of thing. Like really, you think standing in the surf is going to calibrate your body clock? You know, it's one of those things I can't prove. Uh, and you, you either you're either into it or you're not. And I assume that the people that 
spend the money and drive the distance or fly the distance to come to these meditation weekends. I just I I go from the standpoint that uh, they're here for it. You know, like I think I could pretty much introduce just about anything. They'd be like, okay, let, let's go for it. I mean, they're you know they're very open, very evolved. I don't have to spend a lot of time trying to explain meditation to them or convince them. It's like, no, 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 we're here. Let's do it. And um, so we're walking down, I don't know, about 55 of us, I guess, somewhere in there, 50, 60 people, walking down to the surf. It's a good bit of a walk, and people are following me in line. And as we get there, again, there's people sort of walking around on the beach. And um, so when we when we get down to the uh, in the water, these two guys start walking. They come walking by uh, right next to where we are. Black guy and a white guy. They're both got beers in their hands. They're very in relaxed mode. And one of them looks at me and he says, "What are you guys doing?" Well, now that's a very loaded question. Sometimes. Uh, when somebody says, what are you doing? And you tell them, it would be really easy for somebody to scoff at that or, or whatever. But I just answered him. I said, we're a meditation group and we're standing in the water to calibrate our body clocks with the, uh, the tides. And those of you who are standing by, right by can bear witness to this. He doesn't say, oh, that's cool. He looks at me and he says, you called me from Texas. Now that's what caught my attention. It's not that somebody asked what we were doing because that's happened before. It's that his response was, you called me from Texas. Now I just heard Tim tell this story about me calling him from Phoenix. So I'm thinking, is this another are these some other people that I don't know that showed up for this thing? Because I don't really know who's for sure who's going to be there until people actually walk out on the beach. Because, you know, people, uh, a lot of people dropped out at the last minute. Some people have been exposed to um, COVID. And can, let me say this for the future. Look, um, for better or worse, COVID is here to stay. It's it, you're, We're going to have to learn to coexist with it. So for future reference, I'm not telling you not to be careful, and I appreciate your concern, but for future reference, if you test positive and you feel peace about coming on, just put a mask on and come on because we're all being exposed to it everywhere at this point. And most of us have been vaxxed and boosted, and it's not killing people at this point. And I know that sounds contrary to what I've said before because before I was so careful, but that was that was a time when thousands of people were dying every day. That's not the case now. So as much as I appreciate people being very sensitive to it, for future reference, like um, there was a, a software update on my phone this week, and I had to reset the um, facial recognition thing. And um, there's a new thing now that says, would you like to set up your facial recognition to recognize you with a mask on? Which I did. So I thought, well, this is, you know, this is the new normal. And it just is what it is. And people can say, oh, it's, it's a sign of the times just because it's the last days. Look, diseases have been around forever. 
during Bible times, it was leprosy that was airborne. And leprosy would get in people's houses and they had to burn the house down. And in the Middle Ages, it was the Black Plague. Why is it happening now so much? Because people are traveling around the world constantly. And there's no, there's no way to quarantine everybody from everybody else. So, and I know the new thing is monkeypox and, you know, just, you just have to be vigilant. Just like you want to not get the cold or a cold or the flu, but at this point, anyway, I don't want to get in the weeds about that. You, you hear me? Use your discretion, and if you feel like you're you're afraid you're going to expose people, then by all means, you know, I I respect whatever you do. But we're very careful. Like even. In previous ones, I always had people join hands. I haven't had since since COVID. I haven't had people join hands. Just it, you know, it's just we're outside, and, and I I feel like it's very safe. Uh, I'm I'm the last person who wants to put on a super spreader, and and I believe in vaccines. I'm vaxxed. I'm doubly boosted. I I'm not going to argue with you. I think it's irresponsible not to do that, but you. Work out your own salvation fear and trembling. Um, anyway, so I, he said, what are you doing? I said, uh, we're setting our body clocks. He says this very unusual thing. He says, you called me from Texas. Okay, now that's something I'm not expecting him to say. So I said, excuse me, do I, do I know you? I'm thinking... I called you because because I'm going to tell you, I've gotten to a place now. I know so many people and I have so many people that still contact me, sort of the lost tribes of church in the now. There are people that don't go to Judah's church. They don't go anywhere. They still call me for everything, uh, for prayer, for whatever. They don't support financially, but they, you know, they're super uh demanding so i you know at this point i don't even know where i know people from i mean i, I just got to tell you you know in, in my i mean i'm approaching 65 i've met a lot of people so if you're not currently in my life it's very easy for me to like like sometimes now people will say hey do you remember that time at church in the now such and such happens and i'm like i i have no recollection of that i mean if you say that happened okay but I, I don't remember. I mean, I'm to the point now, and my memory's fine, but um, I look at my Facebook memories every day, and there's so many things on there that I think, man, if I, if I hadn't taken a picture of that, I would have no recollection of that happened. I mean, I think, I think I've taken living in the now to a whole, whole nother level. Anyway, so the guy says, you called me from Texas, and I'm thinking, do I... Have I talked to this guy online? I, I don't remember. Because I didn't remember where I knew Tim Brooks from, who had just said I called him from Arizona. Just minutes earlier, he had said that. So I said, uh, what do you mean I called you from Texas? And he said, I'm a pilot, and he's a pilot. And he said, we're, going, he said, Our, we're really stressed out right now uh, with everything that's going on in our industry. It's really high stress, and we both needed a break. And I said to him, let's just go somewhere. And uh, he said, for some reason, I decided to come to St. Simons. I don't know why, but while we were 
on the way here, I said to him, I'm going to, he said, I need to de-stress, but I don't know how to do it. I'm going to St. Simon's, and this was his exact quote. Somebody confirm it if you heard it. He said, somebody on St. Simon's is going to teach me how to meditate. And then he said it a second time, because I said, wow, that's amazing. And he said, no, dude, you called me from Texas. Not, he didn't say, oh, this is really cool that I happen to be here at the same time. He said, you called me from Texas. I wanted to learn how to do this. So they just got right in the water and participated with us. And uh, if you saw the post I did about it, you, I mean, I went down the line and laid hands on everybody. I laid hands on them. They had their eyes closed. They they were into the whole thing. Um, were they a little buzzed from the beer? Maybe. But that's, to me, that's even more interesting that he says, of all things, you called me from Texas. I mean, who says that? So I thought, wow, in the last 15 minutes, I've heard somebody say I called them from Arizona, and now these total strangers are saying, you called me from Texas. Uh, and we invited them to show up the next morning. They didn't. It's like that's, that wasn't the point. The point was about them saying this to me. Now, this is what I want to talk about today. Um... You know, when you look at the um, the story of um, Abraham and Sarah, before they were before God changed their names, they were Abram and Sarai, and God gives Abram this promise that he and Sarah, even though he was now an old man who was sexually impotent and uh, Sarah was long past menopause, he tells them they're going to have a child. And uh, it, it took them like 25, um, about 25 years for Isaac to finally be born. And sometime during that period, uh, m somehow, and this was before Viagra, but somehow Abraham got his virility back. And um, so when that happened, Sarah, Sarah, she might have still been Sarai at that time. Anyway, she says to him, I can't bear you a child, but my maidservant Hagar can. So why don't you have a child with her? Those Old Testament people were sleeping with everybody. I mean, it, that, that's why when people talk about, let's get back to biblical marriage, I'm like, I don't think you want to go that immoral. Because biblical marriage was a party. Um, it definitely was not our definition of marriage now. Anyway, um, so sure enough, Hagar conceives and she gives birth to Ishmael and then sometime later somehow Sarah starts having her cycle again and she's able to uh, uh, reproduce her the, the word the name Sarah means like nubile princess so she both of them literally got their youth renewed and um, so Abraham and Sarah finally have Isaac and uh, so Ishmael is a good bit older, and Ishmael is technically the firstborn. And um, for for a while, Sarah and Hagar were coexisting with their sons, uh, Isaac and Ishmael. Um, I'm I'm sensitive to that because you know there's a promise in um, 
uh, I think it's in John that says, "Blessed is the man that openeth up the womb." There's a there's a blessing on firstborns, and I have two firstborn sons. Jared is a firstborn son, and Judah is a firstborn son. And that's just an old patriarchal ideology. I'm not saying the the ones down the line are any less blessed. I'm just very sensitive to that to that concept. Uh, it, anybody who's ever been th- dealt with a blended family understands that. So one day, sometimes I get my stories mixed up because Hagar actually left twice. Eventually, Hagar, I mean, uh, Sarah says to Abram, cast the bondwoman out. I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm tired of seeing her and her kid run around her, even though it was Sarah's idea. And that was the time when, um, um, you know, the odds were so stacked against women back then. Uh, like under Moses' law, Abraham predated Moses, but under Moses' law, <clears throat> when a man was tired of his wife or one of one of his wives, he could just give her a writ of divorcement, and she was just out of luck. I mean, she she had to leave not only with no alimony or child support. He absorbed her dowry from her father. Women were uh, in biblical times were just property. Uh, that men. That, that's why even now. I mean, I did it when Christina got married the first time. But even when a father walks his uh, daughter down the aisle and says, "I'm giving her away," that comes from property when women didn't even have a say in who they were going to marry like the father made a deal with this man moses said if your if your daughter gets raped you can sell her to the rapist for a cut rate because she's she's uh, spoiled goods i mean the bible just is the abrahamic texts are really hard on women so anyway the the second time that hagar gets cast out i mean Ishmael's dying, she puts him under a bush, and she cries out to God, and that's when God gives this amazing prophecy about the Arabic nations, which is why I support Palestine as much as I support Israel, uh, because those nations are, are equally blessed. In Genesis 25, it says that when Abraham died, uh, his sons, Ishmael and Isaac, went and buried their father uh, together. When I spoke in Palestine in Ramallah many years ago, I was speaking to, right outside of um, the compound where Yasser Arafat, uh, I, I could see his tomb through the window of the hotel where we were, and the, the men I was ministering to were had been part of the PLO, and um, uh, and I was telling them. You know, we, we come from the same place. Uh, Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac, and the the nations that came out of Ishmael were just as blessed as the ones that came out of Isaac. I could even argue even more blessed because the uh, people came out of Ishmael haven't been through the horrors that the people who came out of Isaac have been through, like with the Holocaust. Anyway, I said all that to say in one of these times where. Uh, there, was, there was one time that Hagar left because she was, is when she was still pregnant. But here, I said all that to say this. Here's the point. She's cast out. She's ostracized. And when when she feels God speak to her, she calls him this name, El Roi. Sometimes it's spelled Rohi, R O H I. Sometimes it's spelled O R I. It's not Elroy like uh, the, on the Jetsons. 
um, his boy Elroy. Uh, no, it's it's Elroy, and it means the God who sees. You remember that uh, Amy Grant song, El Shaddai, where she goes, um, To the outcast on her knees, you were the God who really sees. Anyway, the, the point is, is that uh, I need to know that the deity sees me. The worst thing imaginable is that you're invisible to God. People don't want to be invisible. And so we see this in the scriptures. Like David had this concept in Psalm 139. He says, uh, uh, you know my down-sitting and my uprising. Uh, if I were to number the thoughts you have toward me, they are more than the sands of the sea. You know uh, every word in my mouth before I speak it. If I take the wings of the morning, you are there. If I try to make my bed, the King James says hell. The, the Hebrew actually says Sheol, which is the, the place of the dead or the grave or the unseen. Basically, he's saying, wherever I go, God, you see me. I am not invisible to you. Invisibility is a terrible thing. Um, I remember <laughs> um, I remember a time in my life where I hadn't fully I hadn't totally come out publicly yet but I'd already been through some things and um, I, I was already going through a very public divorce and didn't know if I could tell the full truth about myself and didn't know what was going to happen to my ministry and I was with a group of friends in New York and we went to see on Broadway a revival of the musical Hair. Yes, that hair. Yes, it had nudity on the stage. It was tastefully lit. It was not pornographic. It was it was what it was. But there's a there's a line in there where the that's where the the song Aquarius came from. Anyway, there's a line, there's a song in there where the hippies are singing, I'm black, I'm black, I'm pink, I'm pink. They're like they're tripping out on drugs and they're, um, they're all, um, you know, expressing themselves through colors. And then one of them says, I'm invisible. And when he said I'm invisible, I don't know why, I just burst into tears. I had to get up and leave, and the people with me said, are you okay? I said, I need to go outside. And I, it was just, there's no way to explain to you where I was in my head. Because I thought, if I tell people the truth about myself, I'm going to lose my entire legacy, which turns out it's not true. Now I'm completely visible. Now, when the Creator comes to walk with me in the cool of the day and says, where are you? I'm like, right here, naked. You know, it's like I'm not, I don't hide anything. But back then, I was like, the, you know, church world is such a masquerade party. And it's so built on, on uh, mythology and conspiracy theories and uh, wearing the mask that I thought, there's no way I can tell the truth. You can't tell the truth in pastor church. Pastoring a church is politics. Pastoring church, you have to lie so much to keep a church going. I don't know how, I don't know how a Christian can do it. Not a real successful church, because if you really tell the truth about everything, people can't handle the truth. Um, so, uh, I'm very sensitive to invisibility. And then, you know, Jesus comes along and he says things like. Um, even the hairs on your head are numbered. And he says, there's not a uh, the God who sees a, a sparrow that falls. Um, um, 
Are y'all listening to me? Y'all are all talking about Prague and stuff. Uh, y'all right here. Um, but uh, the um, the idea is, I want I want to know that God sees me. I, I need to know that God sees me. Now, this whole idea of this guy saying, "You called me from uh, Texas." Um, this is what caught my attention. And I've had things like this happen before. Like I remember one time um, when I was working with the Global Peace Festival, I told them that was the son of Reverend Sun Young Moon. And I told them when I started working with them, um, I told them when I started working with them that um, uh, I said, look, I, I love what you're doing, the ecumenical thing that you're doing, but I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna see Reverend Moon the way you guys see him. And if anybody from the Unification Church is watching, they're beautiful people, and they spend a lot of money on me flying me around the world. I have nothing but respect for them. I was just saying, I'm not ever gonna see him the way you guys see him. I think I talked about this maybe last week, but um, I remember. They had flown me to New York for something, some conference they were having, and I could tell that this meeting was to indoctrinate me into the into their theology. And I just couldn't sit there and pretend like I was like it just wasn't going to happen. And I wasn't trying to be negative or anything. I just thought I I don't want to sit through this. I appreciate all their hospitality, but I don't want to. I don't want to sit through this. So I just got up and left. And, you know, we, we kind of never saw each other again after that. Some of them I'm still friends with on Facebook. And I just spent the day walking around New York and seeing places I hadn't seen before. And I went to museums. And I just, I just did a one-day tour because I flew out that night, I think. And... Um, Somehow I ended up, I was on the subway and I ended up down like in, like, um, the village. Uh, so I was checking out some of the places there. They got a lot of really cool art museums there. And, uh, Greenwich Village. And, um, so I'm just standing there on the sidewalk. I was trying to decide if I was going to eat lunch or if I was going to eat lunch down there or go back up to um, uh, Times Square where I was where I was staying and uh, I don't know any of you that live in the Atlanta area if you're familiar with the with the magazine uh, creative loafing it's like a it's kind of like an underground magazine that talks it's like an inner city magazine that advertises uh, it's more magazine newspaper it's like a newsprint and it advertises events and that sort of thing. Well, every metropolitan city has a version of that. And I forgot what the one is that's published around Greenwich Village, but I'm, I'm standing there on the um, uh, sidewalk, just trying to decide if I'm gonna get on the subway or not, and this homeless guy comes walking by me holding their version of creative loafing. He comes walking by 
and he gets right up to me and he turns it sideways and he opens it like that and inside is a big ad for the Black Lips, which is uh, Jared's group that he's been in for 20 years. And they were uh, playing somewhere in Brooklyn. And at that time, I really wasn't even that much in touch with Jared. We, we, our relationship is gone. We're, we're very much in touch now. We talk constantly, but we've we've gone through uh, we've gone through seasons where we didn't talk that much. And we're walking by, and the guy just goes, he says, "This is what matters," and he closes the newspaper and walks on. And I'm like, "Wait, what?" This stranger walks up to me on a street in New York and shows me a picture of my son. He doesn't even know who I am and says, this is what matters. I can't tell you how many times over the years uh, that I've prayed for Jared because of that thing that happened. Like in times when uh, before he got in recovery, when I was just about to give up on him, I would remember this drunk homeless guy walking by showing me this this is what matters and walks on and i've had i've had things like that happen a lot i remember one time i was in uh, london for a iccc conference and going through the uh the tube there the subway thousands of people it's like an anthill in there people everywhere and we're walking 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 and this guy in front of me just turns around and he goes show me the way and and just walked like i've had like um you remember the woody allen movie annie hall like he he'd be uh standing in line for a movie arguing with intellectuals about some writer and that writer would actually come out of the out of the plant and start arguing with them it's like the person they were talking about would start talking that kind of thing has happened to me a lot. So that whole deal with those guys, and John Brock said something I thought was really interesting. He said, you know, I don't like to fly, and the idea that two pilots could find a way to de-stress, he said, there's no telling, you might have saved some lives tonight. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a cool spin on it. But whatever about them, um, it was what I heard is, People are hearing my voice that have no, they have no idea what Metron is. They don't follow me on social media platforms. So it got me to thinking about the God who sees. And when you have these little, like, like I'm constantly posting screen grabs from when I see 1111. Now let me say, People text me all the time and say, what's the, comp- what's the significance of that? Google it. There's hundreds of articles written about 11.11. Some people think it's an age-old number and it's got all this stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it is or isn't. I don't know if it's confirmation bias just because I've, I've looked at it so much that I see it a lot. I mean, I look at my phone constantly, so it's very possible. I mean, I saw it yesterday at 11, 11 a.m., and then I saw it last night at 11, 11 p.m. I posted both, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to... I'm just going to acknowledge it, and I've noticed some of the others of you do it, too. I don't know what it means, uh, but I know this. The more I notice it, I'll go to the coffee shop and get, like, a coffee and a bagel, and the bill will be $11.11. Or uh, a couple of months ago, 
I was driving down to Florida to meet Ken and his family for their yearly vacation. And when I put in, I left in the afternoon, and when I put in destination, it said uh, ETA 1111. And I drove in, It's I put it, there's a picture of it in my Instagram. I drove into the parking lot at exactly 11:11. Now again, it's just numbers, but because I see it so much, I attract it more. And the interesting thing is, it has become for me, and it may not be this for you. You might have other numbers that are significant to you. I'm not trying to make some doctrine about 11:11. I'm just saying I see it all the time, and I see it at times when. Uh, it's kind of cool to have a little, a little boost, a little shot from the universe. I mean, sometimes, and it's not like I'm basing decisions on it, but several times lately, um, I've been in a situation where something could have gone one way or the other, and suddenly I'll see an 1111, and it's to me, it's just a little, a little sign from the universe saying, "Just go on, you're on the right track." Now, am I reading more into it? I'm, I don't feel strongly enough about it to even argue with you. I'm just saying something somewhere is seeing me and responding to me and speaking to me. And it is in the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word is established. Um, so it got me to thinking. Initially, when I was going to teach this, I was going to go with Isaiah 28, where he talked about... I will speak to this people line upon line and precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. But really, when you read that in its original context, he was kind of saying that in a negative way. He was saying, I have spoken line upon line, precept, precept but I'm, I'm sending a cornerstone who will be the, you know, he'll be the stone the builders rejected. And yet, I think if I may take a little poetic license, there is kind of um a distillation, if you will, of a... Like, I remember years ago, Kim Clement saying something. He said, uh, he said, sometimes people think I know more than I do. But he said, remember, it's I just get a word from the Lord. I don't get a sentence from the Lord or a paragraph from the Lord. Um, it's a... It's like... Remember when Batman... I'm sorry I'm making so many uh, pop culture references, but that's how I think. Remember when... Batman and Robin would be in the Batcave and they would get some message from the Riddler and they would put it together and they and they come up with some wild six degree of separation and go, oh, that means so and so. I think that's the way destiny is revealed. You get little bit, like for instance, the next time, if, if I have any doubt that my voice is still being heard, I'm going to remember that pilot on the beach saying to me twice, you called me from Texas. He didn't say, this is really cool that we ended up here. He specifically said, you called me from Texas. What, a, what an unusual thing to say. So it got me to thinking about this. Back in um, 2004, this movie came out called What the Bleep Do We Know? And uh, that's the first time I ever saw or became aware of um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who at the time was just listed as a chiropractor. He sort of evolved into something even more than that now. But I remember, this is what caught my attention about him. I really liked him. And... Um, 
Hang on. Um, I had taught for years. Hang on. Can't see out somewhere. Trying to open up this computer. Bear with me because this is worth waiting for. Where's the arrow? Alright, I can't get it I can't get it open. Google um Joe Dispenza create my day quote and it'll come up. It's from 2004. Wish I could read it to you, but um, maybe this is better. I had, I had taught for years about the same way that God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. That every day God brings to you a, a, a day for you to name whatever you name it. Uh, has, uh, it's called that. But he's the first time I ever, he's the first person I ever heard use the phrase, I create my day. And uh, I'll, I'll find it and post it in the uh, comments down here later. Um, but he talked about, he, he said, when I wake up in the morning, I, I put something out there. And um, initially he didn't call it God. He said, um, he said, I put something out there. I create my day. He used the word infect. He said, I infect the quantum field. And I say, I'm putting these things out there. And today, show me that you heard me. And show it in ways that surprise me, that let me know there's no way it's a fluke. There's no way it's a, it's a coincidence. And um, he said, I can, he said, when it happens to me, I can either say I'm a genius or I can call that God or the glory of God or unconditional love. But what he's saying is, he's basically saying, I'm calling out of the universe or I'm calling out of God or I'm calling out of spirit the things that I need to hear that will be little confirmations and sometimes they'll just come in sound bites but they're little confirmations just to say keep going you're on the right track you're you're creating your destiny and I remember that just resonated with me so much like wow I know exactly what he's talking about uh, when you uh, oh there it is thanks Thanks, Ernie. Let me see if the, is that is that the full three paragraphs that yeah, yes. Thank you. Uh, good job. Yeah, Ernie just posted it. And if you'll notice there, I think it's that that second paragraph there where he says um, something about the God or the glory of God. He's basically saying it's God speaking to me, but it's really me speaking to me. Let me say this. Yes, I do believe in God. Do I believe there's a man floating out in outer space sitting on a throne? Not necessarily. If you believe that, namaste. What I believe, like, um, I was telling Wellington this last night on the phone. I said, think about, because he had a, Wellington had a, a question that I thought was very insightful about Jesus saying the Son of Man would be revealed. And he said, but but it looked like he was talking to them and, and he was because they're I mean if you if you read it in the right context Jesus is constantly getting out of the way he's basically saying I'm coming to show you how to do this it's what I talked about the last two teachings I did 
but he's constantly saying your faith has made you whole even if you like when you think about all right well if it's our faith that made us whole why does Isaiah prophesy that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed? Well, think about this. In the Old Testament, when um, the fiery serpents came out and bit the people, the voice tells Moses, or that's God to you, God tells Moses to make a brazen serpent and to put it up on a pole and whoever looks at the pole will live. They'll survive the snake bite. Now, that brazen serpent did not have any healing virtue in it. It was their paradigm. The cross was a placebo. The cross was to give us a paradigm shift to understand that we had only been alienated from God in our minds. It was not... Um, the, the fall didn't... The fall wasn't real from his end. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross to convince a God to love us. We were already lovable. We were already the creation of God. We just didn't realize it. I mean, the Creator says to Adam, where are you? And Adam says, um, I hid from you because I was naked. And so Jesus says, all right, well, I'll get naked and hang up on a cross and I'll, I'll show you that you, you don't have to be ashamed of your nakedness. He, he bore our shame. He carried our griefs and carried our sorrows. He carried our nakedness and, and made it okay for us to walk naked with the Creator. When I say naked, I mean transparent with the Creator in the cool of the day. We have nothing to hide. So that when Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the father do he's really talking about his higher self if you don't believe that i don't want to argue with you i'm just saying that's that's what i believe so that or like um when the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment jesus never said anybody who touches the hem of my garment will be made well he never said that she said if i can just touch his clothes i'll be made well now he did feel virtue flow out of him but it was because of her belief, not because he said, la, 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 I'm walking through with magic clothes. I got magic clothes. No, he never said anything about his clothes. She said that. And this is why, um, this is why I don't argue with people about God anymore, because the God you're, you're walking with or serving or worshiping or believing in may be entirely different from my God. We, we don't read the Bible as it is, we read it as we are. We don't see God as he, she, it is. We see he, she, it as we are. So, because I believe in the merciful God, the loving God, the inclusive God, I have, I have, I'm sending this vibe out all the time so that I've got strangers walking up to me saying, you called me from Texas or I no, he specifically said I heard you call me in Texas I heard you in Texas I would be surprised if I don't hear somebody else say that in the next few days because I've noticed when one thing is said and something's trying to be established I'll start hearing it I'll hear it several times now some people say well that kind of stuff never happens to me probably it doesn't if you look if you're skeptical about stuff like like there's some people who call me for prayer who I know don't agree with what I teach and I just got to tell you I don't really want to pray for him because I think I don't think my prayer is gonna work for you I think you need to find somebody that's kind of on your 
page because I'm, I don't think I'm your guy. I'm definitely not your pastor. Um, I mean, I'll I'll do it, but I don't think I don't think I'm going to have a lot of spiritual clout with you. Um, that's why people say, you know, do you want to hang out with me? If we're in agreement, but I don't like hanging out with people I'm not in agreement with. It's just I would rather say, no, you go find people that you can agree with. I don't like the. I don't like feeling contention in the spirit. I like to be, you know, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? I like to be in agreement. And uh, and I don't even require that you agree with me. That's why if people want to, and this hasn't happened in years, but back in the day when people would write me <laughs> letters, I had somebody used to, a retired Assembly of God preacher used to sit on my front row for years. Would sit on my front row of church, and when I would preach, he would sit there and go, "You know, he." I wanted to go. I think you've made it obviously clear you don't agree with me. Why do you put yourself through it? Go to an Assembly of God church. Why do you keep coming back? Because you know I'm. This is what I'm going to teach, and I don't show any signs of moving back toward orthodoxy. I've launched out into the deep, and I don't even see the shoreline anymore. And I don't make any apology for that. And if somebody says, well, you're deceived, all right, well, then I guess I'm deceived then. And according to your definition of deception, I probably am. So that when you read scriptures like, to the forward, he will show himself forward. To the merciful, he will show himself merciful. To the proud, he will show himself proud. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's all through the scriptures. He's basically saying, as God is creating you, you are creating God. Let me just leave that right there for a minute. But that's basically what he's saying. Why else would Jesus say to the disciples, well, who do men say that I am? And then finally he says, well, who do you say that I am? And whatever... Whatever you say, if you believe God's the God of judgment, you just watch. You're going to live in judgment zone. Uh, you're going to just be stressed out all the time judging everybody because you've created a judgmental God. And you'll start noticing. I mean, Jesus said, judge not lest you be not judged. What else can he mean? He's basically saying... You can create the judgmental God if you want to, but just watch out because the God you're going to create for yourself is just going to judge the living daylights out of you. <laughs> so you you write your own ticket with God. Even if, even if that's too abstract to believe that you create God, at least, at least believe this. You determine how God is going to act toward you. Because he basically says, with the same measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. If you, uh, if you believe in the God of abundance, you're just going to always attract money. Um, Avery asked me last week, she said, are, are people given to you directly? I said, why are they not given to the ministry? She said, well, not, not really. And I said, oh, yeah, some people do a little bit on Sunday. But I said, I'll say something about it. But I'm not worried about it. I don't worry. And not that she was either, but she's, you know looking at the books and everything I said I I remember thinking I'll always have money I'll always attract money I'll always be prosperous I've never worried about it and it's always always come through for me always I've always had people to help me uh, I've never been in crisis that some stranger didn't walk up and say do you need help I just always have help I always have support I always have 
I always have what I need when I need it. And some people could say, well, that's naive. You're just, you're just naive. Well, I've made it to nearly 65, and it has worked for me my entire life. I have never gone without. I have created the life that I want to live. The God that I believe in is largely the God of my creation. And that God blesses me, answers my prayers, speaks to me on beaches in um, uh, St. Simon's. I was just, as I'm saying this, I'm just remembering all these other <laughs> This one also involves a drunk guy. I don't know why drunks are speaking to me, but years ago, this is back in the early 80s, I, my church wasn't very old, and I'd gone out to Los Angeles for this faith conference. It was like Kenneth Copeland and a lot of the people I followed back then. And I remember specifically going there needing some answers for my ministry. I remember thinking, I really need to hear from God. I need God to speak to me in this conference. And so I went to all the sessions. I took notes. I was totally open. And they were like on a whole other page from me. I, I, I remember thinking, I think I came to the wrong conference because I was really hoping I would hear from God what God was going to say to me. And I didn't hear anything close to it. I mean, I had a good time and I enjoyed Los Angeles, but it was like, I thought, man, I didn't hear anything. So flying back to Atlanta, I'm sitting across the aisle from this guy who's, I mean, he's throwing him back the whole time. And uh, he starts talking to me and I'm like, oh, come on, drunk guy across the aisle, please don't. I don't want to have a conversation with you for four hours. But he says to me, um, he says, what do you do? And I started not to tell him, because as soon as you tell somebody you're a pastor, then they, they have to try to talk to you about spiritual things. And I, if it's not organic, I don't want to have that conversation. But I told him. I said, I pastor a church outside of Atlanta, and I came to a minister's conference. And he looks at me, and he says, this is an unusual question. He looks at me, and he says, did you hear what you needed to hear. I mean, who asks that? I didn't say I came there to hear. I said I came to a minister's conference. He specifically said, did you hear what you needed to hear? And I looked at him. I thought, that's an odd question. I kind of had that feeling the other night when the guy says, I heard you call me from Texas. I said, well, Frankly, no, I didn't. Then the guy goes, well, what's going on in your church? I'm like in this surreal moment, like, really? I'm going to talk to this, not, you know, passing out drunk, but he's he's been drinking since we've been on this flight. Really, I'm going to discuss my church situation with this guy? But he, it was so unusual for him to use that vernacular that I thought, all right, so I told him. He goes into the most profound prophetic word that was so right on to exactly what I needed to hear that I'm looking at him like, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. 
how is this happening? And as soon as he got through, he passed out, slept the rest of the trip. When we got off, he never spoke to me again. We stood by each other in baggage claim. He never acknowledged me again. And I, I thought, well, you know what? I came to this conference to hear from God, and I did. I thought it was going to come through one of those sessions I paid for, but it came from the drunk guy on the plane. And what he told me was so right on that I couldn't deny it was the word of the Lord. I was like, well, that's that's God. Whatever my definition of God was at that time, that's God speaking to me. I can't deny that. That's the God who spoke through a donkey, and God speaking through this guy. And I always know when I need to hear something, I will hear it. God will speak. Why? Because God sees me. This is what I want to leave with you today. God sees you. You have to believe in El Rohi. El Rohi, the God who sees. The God who sees me. The God to whom I am not invisible. The God who sees what I'm going through and will speak to it. This is one reason I love meditation so much. When people say to me, do you not pray anymore? I'm like, yeah, sure, I pray. But let me tell you, it's not that I think meditation has replaced prayer, but I would put it up there right beside it at least. Because I think if you can get quiet, you will hear the answers. And you might not hear them while you're sitting there in meditation, but you'll hear them in the next few hours, the next few days. You get yourself into a place of quietness and God will speak. Listen to me. God sees you. God wants to speak to you, whatever your definition of God is. And how whatever you're putting out there is how God is going to come back and speak to you. So yes, you do create your day. Um, not that I doubted it before, but I will never wonder if people in other places hear me. Because I think, you know what, they, they hear me even if they don't hear the podcast or, or know who I am. They still hear me. And I mean, as I'm saying this to you, I'm thinking of anecdote after anecdote after anecdote. It's even some things I hadn't even thought of today that's come. I don't have time to go into them all. But I guarantee you, if you'll open up your spirit, it'll start happening to you too. It doesn't just happen to me. I'm not exceptionally blessed or except, well, let me say it this way. If I am exceptionally blessed, it's because I was the catalyst for it. And I'm, I'm saying that in all humility, because I don't believe that God just arbitrarily picked me out because he likes me better. It's because I expect certain things and I get certain things. It's, it's not rocket science. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. And in the Amplified Bible, it says, knock and keep on knocking. I don't think that necessarily means at the same door. I think that means go into the building and knock on all the doors until one of them opens. Uh, ask all the questions. Um, God not only will speak to you, God wants to speak to you. I guarantee you, many of you have already heard confirmation today in just what I'm talking about. It may have made you think of a situation in your own life where you think, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that same thing 
that's happened to me. Like, why did that? Why did that random person come up to me and say that? It's not. Listen, it's not a fluke, especially if you're putting it out there. Go read that Joe Dispenza thing where he says, "Say it to me in a way that I'll know it's you." And if you call that God, Namaste. Um, all right, I think I said everything I needed to say. I want to read. Go read your comments. Um, if you want to give, uh, you know, we still have a ministry. We, you know, I still draw a salary. I still pay a tech team. We still rent the theater. We still give uh, money every month to uh, an organization. Um, so, you know, if you, if, I appreciate when you give to me, but also don't forget to give to Metron and just go to bishinthenow.com. Every little bit helps. Um, we're not in financial trouble. We're just, just you know, let us know that you believe in it. Let us know that you're still a part. Um, a lot of you have ghosted me, and I don't know what that's about. So I want you to come back. I, I don't, you know, if I've offended you in some way, I apologize. Tell me what it is, because God knows I have no idea. And um, uh, But if you want to give to me directly, I've got all the cash apps, and I appreciate it. And if you... Um, if this message resonated with you, add your amen to it, buy into it, buy a piece of it, invest in it. All right. Uh, remember, September 4th, we'll be back in the theater and uh, go join the um, uh, Meditation 16 group. I'll, I'll put the link on here too. Um, open up your ears. The universe, God, the Holy Spirit, the angels, something from somewhere beyond is going to speak to you today if you'll just listen. All right? I love you. Peace.